Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor at Games Radar. Welcome to Radio Radar, Episode 67. This week on the show, we get into Fire Emblem Heroes, and then move on to a uh, unusual discussion about its characters, before moving on to an in-depth discussion about emulation, backwards compatibility, and the future of the marketplace for retro games. Listen on. Speak my peace, keep my peace, Cubans with the Jesus peace, thank you God with my peeps, packing, asking who want it, you got it, flaunt it, that Brooklyn bullshit, we on it. Biggie, biggie, biggie. Can't you see, sometimes your words just hypnotize me, and I just love your flashy ways. Guess that's why they broke and you're so paid. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Radio Radar, <laughs> episode oh. 67. Okay, oh, here's, here, I have to ask, mm-hmm. can anybody hear that without thinking of Fat Chocobo? <laughs> <laughs> right? See, I know, the Fat Chocobo video is so good. For hypnotized, but yeah. have you ever seen the the dinosaurs, the old like sitcoms? Yes. Oh yes. 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 Oh my god! It literally looks like it was made for it. It's it's bizarre. Also, I have nightmares about dinosaurs. Still, that show. Have that... you ever have you guys ever seen the final episode of Dinosaurs? Oh well, yep. sure. Yeah. Yeah, course. where like the world ends. Yeah. Like it kills it's, all it's the dinosaurs. Extension. That is one of the most existentially harrowing things. I think I, I've ever seen on television. I thought I like I thought I had imagined how grim it was as an adult mm-hmm. until I saw it again on YouTube and I was like, Oh wait, no, this is genuinely <laughs> disturbing in every way. It's basically a prequel to Melancholia. Uh no, no. this is not a Lars von Trier show. No, no. But I mean <laughs> just take a moment to marvel that that show existed oh, yes. at all. For, I mean, it was really, it was quite good. I mean, I'm not saying it was like, how did this crap stay on TV? Just the fact that that much puppetry mm. and, and animatronics in a sitcom. Yeah. It's no. nuts. Oh, it's crazy. A That's sitcom crazy. for kids about a family living under the throes of capitalism and then the world ends. Yeah, and, and then the world ends. And then the world Terrible ca- uh, environmentalist, you know. <laughs> yes. Super heavy handed message. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because it was the nineties, uh, and that's how you ended shows back then. So, yeah. The only the only thing nineties missing from it was like a save the dolphins and whales message. Mm-hmm. Like there was never a moment where there was just like an image of a dolphin superimposed in front of a rainbow, crying, and yeah, crying, About and like litter. somebody being like, "Why was it always humpback whales?" Anyway, because these are not... because that's okay. So when people think of whale, right? Like if you go right. Think of a whale. They go one of yeah. two ways. Okay, I'm thinking of a whale. They go orca uh-huh. or humpback whale. Or humpback whale. See, I immediately go to narwhal. What? Like, okay, yeah, because, you know, they have, because they have swords on. They're as related. We've, as we've discussed, you are a freak. <laughs> you are not a normal person. Yeah, but I just like the existence of a member of the whale family that has a sword for a face. I get, I get you. I feel you. And I'm not. I'm See. not arguing the excellence of having a pal in the yeah. ocean. Yeah. Who's who's strapped at all times. Yeah. I like that. So. I like. I like to. I like to. Like when you had 19th century sailors getting stuck 
on Arctic expeditions in the ice, and narwhals would just pop up and be like, what's up, dog? And then go back <laughs> under the ice. Be like, yeah, I bet you wish you had a fucking sword on your face, you Danish yutz. And then That's the a- sailor comically looks at his bottle of rum and shakes his head and pours it over the, the deck. Yeah, while End of the Road by Boys to Men plays in the background. Oh my god. Uh, this is the kind of show you get on Radio Radar, everybody. This, this cavalcade of nonsense. I'm so sorry. Uh, today, we have a, a wonderful crew. We have staff writer Connor Sheridan. Mm-hmm. Open the door, and... look at the people. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was just thinking of something to follow up on your slow jam with. And all I could think of was the hand thing with the church. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, we also have Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. S cargo, my cargo, 160. <laughs> yeah, that's there we go. That's it. That's that's, that's, that's all I got. That's how you, that's what you got. We also have executive editor Susan Arndt. I'm so sorry. I just I'm I'm really I just apologize for everything. No, there's nothing to apologize for and We're everything to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> We're the best. That song in the Karate Kid, You're the Best Around, was written best about us. Around. Okay. Snapshot into my life. Mm-hmm. I literally cannot say anything is the best without my husband immediately breaking into song. <laughs> You're the best around. <laughs> no one's ever gonna keep you down. Yeah. You're the best. How problematic that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's intensely problematic. I mean, it's like, yeah, like that one time you're at a funeral and tragic death and there's a eulogy and this person's like brother is like, they were the best. And then just in the middle of this gathering of, of weeping people in black suits, they're just like under his breath. He's yep. Like, yep. Yep. Valentine's yep. Day dinner. He gives you a gift and you say, oh, you're the best, honey. And then he just get, <laughs> flips the table over. And everyone else around him is just like... And now you understand my marriage perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and I that, and that, that blonde kid, that blonde kid from Cobra Kai, who actually doesn't fight in the tournament, just comes in, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna send him home in a body bag! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't man. realize he was taking work for a walk week! I, that's oh, that's a line from the movie. God. I remember that distinctly because... Uh, Take it your what makes, for a walk? Your worm for a walk week. That, yeah, a kid insul- tries to insult him by saying, and like my friends and I, we talked, like we watched this back, like like I was like twenty, we were all watching it because they're like, yeah, Karate Kid, let's drink Sparks and watch it, um, and yeah, so he says this insult, and for weeks after, we're like, take your worm for a, that doesn't make any sense, it comes out <laughs> of nowhere, there's no context for it. All right, here, here's a question for you guys. How old do you think Ralph Macchio was when he was the Karate Kid? 25. He's, he's yeah, yeah, he was, actually. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> Thanks, right. Susan. That's the bit. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, man, but it's like, this is not obscure trivia. This is a, no, it is known oh, Kelly Now, come on. You, you chastised me for bringing up Robert Stack. How many of our listeners actually remember Ralph Macchio? Everybody. Everybody. I like to think of what he's doing now. Like if he's just in line at a supermarket and some old lady's counting change in front of him and he's just like, I'm Ralph Macchio. I don't have to put up with this. I was the karate kid. No, at this exact moment, 
he's sitting there pawing at his phone and being like, well, I can't remember my Nintendo account password. Bullshit! <laughs> Gotta log in to every one of these games. How am I supposed to remember this? What, I there's, a, ask my there's a network ID and now I have an account? This makes no sense. Why? No, Why are there two no, of these things? There's no rhyme or reason to <laughs> Nintendo's madness. Uh, Connor, unlike Ralph Macchio, you you did not have any woes getting into your Nintendo account mm-hmm. this week Which is sad to play. I, I do strive to be like Ralph Macchio in all things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, but you succeed at that too. Like for the most part, not in this. Well, regard. I appreciate that. Nobody's perfect, but you know, I'm trying my best. <laughs> uh, you've been playing. You've been playing some Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah, Which is is the is the first? Are we calling this like the first big game from Nintendo? This feels like it's a bigger deal in terms of like people who love video games than Super Mario Run was. Uh, I mean, it's definitely got more hardcore niche appeal, but Super Mario Run like it it started way faster. But I mean, mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Heroes wasn't on stage at an Apple conference, and you know it didn't have the big featured slot on the App Store, so. Sure. It'll be interesting to see how their performance is doing, uh, you think, know, six months into both of their respective lives. Yeah, I think like so, within a day, they were, like, number one on the Japanese app store, so, like, U.S. app store. They, like, th- this thing is making money. Wait, making wait, cash. are you talking about Fire Emblem or Super Mario with this Fire one? Emblem. Oh, oh, okay. It's, 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 is it free? It's free, but it has, like, gotcha mechanics, so you can buy orbs. Best okay. value for a hundred dollars. All right, let's let's walk, Connor. Can you walk us through completely what the hell Fire Emblem Heroes is? Because I feel like there there are folks that have confusion. I don't. I don't about know this. anything about it. I know zero. So you know that there are are in, in unlikely pieces of anatomy on its character <laughs> art. The the ladies all have very large testicle areas. Yes, not all of them, but many. Okay. <laughs> Many of the ones they choose to feature prominently. Okay, okay. Uh, okay so Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, the name tells you a lot already. It's a game about Fire Emblem's heroes. Um, and it's kind of a, like a... a, a, a what's, what do you call it when a movie has a bunch of high-profile actors in it? Ensemble? I- An ensemble piece, yes. Thank you. Uh, in that it's got uh, characters pulled from all across the Fire Emblem mythos. You know, back from the original game, you got good old Marth, or all the way up to Fates, and you've got like the the large chesticled woman, your your stepsister from the uh, I don't know, maybe she's not technically your stepsister. Anyway, yeah, so there's there's a bunch of characters from different games, and you can kind of uh, use these orbs, which you can either earn by playing missions, uh, which you can talk about in a bit, or by uh, spending money. You, you use these orbs and you summon heroes and the heroes are randomly determined based on, you know, a typical loot pool. The, the nicest, coolest ones that everybody knows the, actually knows the names of are the rarest and the most powerful. Um, and they're also rated by stars. So, you know, if you get a five-star Marth, you're really happy. If you get, if you get a three-star Kaeda or whatever her name is, you're like, was she, was she in a video game? And it turns out she was. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, for, for all the good that does me. Uh, so, yeah, you, you draw all, all those heroes out, and then you go into missions. Um, and that's the, the cool part is, you know, I, I was really worried that Fire Emblem Heroes was just going to be the Fire Emblem name 
slapped onto an established, proven, you know, mobile game category. I, I, I told Anthony several times that I was very worried it would be a kingdom builder, like mm. uh, Clash of Clans or whatever. Uh, but it's not at all. It's it's Fire Emblem. It's a little bit smaller scale Fire Emblem because the maps always just fit on your phone screen. And um, except in certain circumstances, it's always uh, four, four against four, four on your side, four on their side. Um, but the actual game itself is Fire Emblem. You move units around a grid. You get, you set them next to each other to make them attack. Um, you know, uh, swords beat axes. Wait. Wait. I have, anyway, okay. there's a weapon. I triangle. have a question. <laughs> uh, are you are you playing other people or like who are these these armies that you're facing? The mission. It's the, well, there's the story the missions where you're just fighting NPCs. Uh, okay. And then there's multiplayer where you're also fighting NPCs, but they're, the armies are like, they're other people's armies. But it's okay. not, as far as I can tell, like synchronous multiplayer. It's all, it's all on one screen, too. It's yeah. not like, the, it's not the maps. You know, if you've played Fire Emblem Awakenings or <laughs> Fire Emblem Awakenings starring Robin Williams <laughs> and, and Robert De Niro. Oh my god. <laughs> The tra- the tragic tale of how just, <laughs> Williams just, had to no. rub Robert De Niro's face until he became a better archer. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Holy shit! I'm sorry. That was just a game that I want to exist now. No, in Fire Emblem Awakenings or the one that came out uh, last Fates. March. Yeah, uh, Fates. Fates. You the maps are big. You know, you you have you start in a little pocket of the map. And you sort of move your team all over the place, or you can have different squads start in different spots of the map. Whereas this is just—it's all right on your phone screen, right? Yeah, yeah. Start, starting a Fire Emblem mission in the main games is a, is a commitment because even the easier missions, you know, b- between just like figuring out your initial strategy and closing the distance on the map to the enemy, you know, you're looking at 20 minutes on the absolute shortest side. Whereas right. with these, um, it would be very rare for a match to go more than, like, four or five minutes. And I know that there is there is a stamina thing in this. It's, mm-hmm. it's that type of free-to-play game where it's like, yeah, you can play for a little while, and then you gotta you got to cough up the cash. Yep. So how, how does the cash monies come into this? Well, the cash monies, you can buy those orbs that I mentioned, which you can use to summon new heroes, and there's multiple hooks to spend more money. Mm. Um, although they, they give out a decent amount of orbs. You know, you play, then you could get enough to efficiently summon heroes, but you would have to be dedicated. And then there's the stamina system, where each mission you play will reduce your stamina count, um, and the, the stamina ref- replenishes automatically. Uh, or you can buy these stamina potions to replenish it, or you can just, um, or you can you can earn the stamina potions as well. And I've got to say, like I haven't been playing it super hard, but you know, just picking it up every now and then, a couple of times a day, I've never had any problems with the stamina at all. Uh, mm. I, it's not at all a concern for a more casual player. Uh, the 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 place that I think they're going to get. Casual players to fork over, fork over a lot more money is buying those orbs because I mean everybody wants you know powerful recognizable heroes <laughs> like Robin Williams. Like Robin uh, Williams, yes. Like so Robin if you're Williams, if you're not technician. if you're not a Fire Emblem person, is is there a reason to play this game? 
I mean, well, I would say that more people should try Fire Emblem in that it's a really fun, uh, a different take on turn-based strategy. Like, uh, I've been turned off by most of the strategy-type games i played, but Fire Emblem kind of stuck with me. Uh, I would add that if you kind of like the combat in this, go ahead and put this game down and go buy Fire Emblem Awakening, because that lack of relationship mechanics, which is where the, the, the game would, you know, units that fought together would build up relationships, and if they were uh, compatible which in the first game was only, you know, uh, mixed uh, hetero relationships, but I think they changed... Did they change that in Fates? I don't remember. But if they were compatible, then, you know, they could go even further than being friends. They could get married and have kids and all that kind of thing. And it was very... It was gratifying. It was a cool, organic way to watch that unfold. Uh, but unfortunately, Heroes doesn't have that at all. And it, it really... The relationship aspect wasn't always in Fire Emblem, but now that it's there, it really you really notice it being gone. So if mm. if you like this, I would say give those games a try before you get too committed to Heroes. It's so surprising to hear that they didn't put in the relationship mechanic. On on the one hand, like you know, from a sort of creative aspect, it seems so surprising that they took that out because it's so popular it's so key to the success mm -hmm. of awakening and fate I, I mean last last year when fire emblem fate came out like nintendo sold out of that game like yep. physical carts like they, they vanished they i think it was something you know their their first month sales was something like two hundred and fifty thousand copies which i know you know for people who i don't want to get into sales number stuff but people who hear about games being million sellers a niche rpg mm -hmm. where fans complained that nintendo had taken out the option to like rub your anime girl or boyfriend's face to build up their stats you know if that sells two hundred fifty thousand copies that's a lot that yeah, is a lot from of a copies. 20 year old series that like had only really been introduced to the west in the last couple of years aside from yeah. you know like hey here's martha and smash brothers Right, and so to to take that sort of stuff out seems crazy, but it's also crazy because, I don't know, It's if you really wanted to get people spending money on these orbs, uh, it, you would think that the relationship aspect would be a killer hook <laughs> to keep people being like, oh man, I'm almost to the point where they're going to get married and have a kid, I gotta buy five more! <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, you want as simple and uh, proposition as possible for a mobile game. You know, just be able to show this to your friends, and immediately they can grasp like, oh, I move these little dudes around a grid, and they fight. Uh, adding the relationship mechanic is another layer that I think the dedicated games benefited from. And uh, another thing, I think mechanically speaking, it would be really tough to have good relationship mechanics that. Um, that could also support just continually adding heroes over time. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, you just have more and more characters. So does that mean that everyone can romance each other, but their interactions are kind of, you know, they're not unique. They're just, uh, they're just mechanical. They're kind of rote. And mm -hmm. then is there really appeal to that? Uh, so I can definitely see why they took it out. But with that said, I think, you know, like, like I said before, it really, you really do feel the absence. Uh, that that was one of the main things that kept me going about Fire Emblem, even when I was, you know, starting to get sick of these massive grand battles. It's like, okay, well, 
But if I do two more fights, then these two can finally get hitched. Yeah, yeah. No, what I, they I, should I... have done, I'm sorry, but what they should have done is make it uh, somehow like a, a like a friend thing. Like you can have a relationship, like one of your characters yeah. can have a relationship with somebody on your friends list. If they have um, the, the compatible character, and then that gives you some kind of boost or what have you. Man, that that just sounds like I'm I'm sitting here thinking about that and how addicted to it I would get. See what I'm saying? Immediately. Oh my gosh, uh, Susan, does this does this tempt you? I like you. You're the first person to download all of Nintendo's mobile games. True. When, I, when I'm talking to people, you're you're there the moment Mitomo is out, the moment Super Mario Run is out. Is are you gonna get on the bus here? Uh, no, because it sounds like the majority of the the appeal comes from it being a Fire Emblem game. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the desire to have, like Connor said, recognizable characters. Like, you want Marth, you want whomever. And I, I've never played a Fire Emblem, so those characters have would be meaningless for me. So it would be no different than, you know, it could have any kind of license and, and still be the same kind of appeal for me. So, yeah. uh, no, nah, I... It, I, I'm sure it's a, a perfectly competent game, and it sounds like if you dig on Fire Emblem, it would be cool, but it I don't think it's for me. Susan, I gotta tell you, before before it becomes one of those things that, uh, oh no, well, <laughs> I always get paranoid about delisting of games, mm. like, I, and, and we'll get to that later on the show. I, you know, I don't think the 3DS eShop is going to vanish anytime soon, but Awakening, Fire Emblem Awakening, you would love that game. You, okay. You would love yep, it's a great it. game. I, both it and Fates are good, but I, I definitely prefer Awakening. The story is much more satisfying. Yeah, and and it's just uh, the the um, the the boob factor that mm-hmm. you're seeing so so prominent in Heroes. I, you know, like that. It's I think people talk it up being in Awakening, but it's really not. Uh, it's, it's much more, uh, sort of stayed, but, like, at the same time, it is one of the only games where I I have ever played where an explicit goal in the game is to make your characters have sex with each other. Like, part of the army building mechanic is you, you pair up characters, you let them fight together so they form a bond, and then eventually they have a kid, and that kid joins your army. Right. And so, like, part of the strategy is is making sure you get uh, paired up together. It's cool that it's not that lascivious. I'm impressed with you, Fire Emblem Awakening, still, to this day. <laughs> yeah, it's like, look at that conception game that's, like, all right. about Oh, God. yeah. Let's make these creepy stuff hey, references. I had to play this. that for review. Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 The absolute opposite take on that. Yes. <laughs> oh, holy crap. What if yeah, we okay. leaned into it all just, the way? Okay, just... <laughs> Quick reminder about that one. The guy impregnating all the, all his classmates is called God's gift. Ugh. Oh. It's one guy, too, right? And it's one guy. It's one And they're birthing guy. monsters. It's oh. not like... Like, it's not... Like, it's actually very tender in Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, whereas in Conception, it's oh. nice. You know what? On this subject of things like Conception... We started the day at Games Radar talking about this. Konami, our favorite publisher, Konami, oh, announced a new game oh, just here at the end of this week called Bomber Girl. Oh, 
Oh boy. Uh, as opposed to bomber man, it's right. bomber girl. Yeah, not let's, bomber let's woman. Just, thanks. Yeah, not bomber woman. Not bomber, bomber woman. Mm, bomber not girl. Not bomber boy and bomber girl. Yeah, it's just, not mm. yet. Not a bomber girl. Not yet a bomber woman. Miss and, bomber. <laughs> all she needs is bomber time. <laughs> and, and that was good. That was really good. It was. So good. I would have take. I would have accepted bomber lady. I would. Yeah, I would take. I would take lady bomber or bomber lady over bomber girl. Uh, and so this is not Pachinko, which is unusual for Konami these days. Uh, it is a four-player like sort of versus game, sort of a cross between Power Stone and Bomberman. Like you're you're still in these little lanes, but what is mystifying us are is the character art, because like if you've seen these Fire Emblem Heroes pictures and you're like, wow, that's pretty that's pretty lascivious. It's got nothing on Bomber Girl. Which is just like, I guess it's like a schoolgirl with a Bomberman themed schoolgirl outfit and her ass is just sticking out and right on the cover. It, and it's going to explode! There is a wick! Connor, I didn't even a notice it. Fuse. I thought it was a whip. I thought it was, yeah, a lit fuse going to her butt. <laughs> I just looked up, uh, okay. <laughs> Are you seeing regular, it now? right? Yeah. And there's her, there's like a weird cross between strawberry shortcake and she's got like Pac-Man She's just the girl with the Bomberman pin in her hair. Uh-huh. She's not <laughs> even like a Bomberman person. No. <laughs> <laughs> a bomber folk. The bomber folk. What are you doing? What are you doing? But why are their asses bombs? Like why? I think you just answered your own question there, my friend. I, uh, I, I know it was it was more of an existential. Are like, they just putting West erotic violence in all of their the games now? DM. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, like I'm looking man. at these. Okay. Yeah. I I, I don't. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why is why is the question? <laughs> why? Why is the question? So is uh, that what, okay? There's... Wait. I just, I just want I just want to pause here. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this is a topic that comes up a lot in in our, our culture, uh, the idea that you know we 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 want titty pant games to go away. We don't necessarily want titty pant games to go away, but if you're gonna do a titty pant game, could mm-hmm. you at least do it well? Yes. Right. Yeah. Like if you got you know big booby girls in Fire Emblem, but they're fully realized characters and they're actually cool to use and they're treated like people, then cool, fine. Great. You know, A-plus. I don't care. Whatevs. But this just seems dumb. Yeah, it's just it's just dumb. To be fair, <laughs> every Bomberman game seems pretty dumb when you look at it devoid of you know like actually sitting and playing it with your friends. Okay, true. Very mm-hmm. true. Very true. That's accurate. That's accurate. But like, I never, I I don't know. Like, uh, part of me would enjoy the novelty of like, well, Bomberman Act Zero, which is a great punching bag. In, in, for video game nerds, they're always like, this is what happens when you try to do a grim and gritty reboot of something that has no business even having realistic The corn CD of Bomberman. Right, the corn CD of Bomberman games. And this was, if anybody's unfamiliar, it's an Xbox 360, not launch game, but like early days of Xbox 360. And it is it is what it, we just said. It is grim, gritty reboot time for Bomberman. But, like, Bomberman Zero, as he was called, he's not hanging dong. Like, it's not like there's just, like, an enormous package. No, he's just, like, a like an ugly a robot. robot. 
Yeah. Hanging hanging dog. Hanging dog. I think I ate there last week. <laughs> no, not ha- not hang and dong. Oh, Vietnamese, oh, oh. Okay, I'm sorry. Vietnamese I, bistro. I was confused their, there for a second. With, I'm sorry. Where they make wonderful pho. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of that. Yeah. yeah. Freaking, uh. yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, that's, that's my back of the box quote. I want to see just one PS Vita game that just goes in, like, the total opposite direction of most of this perv moe stuff, where it's just, like, the biggest dudes hanging dong <laughs> in your Fire Emblem crew. Well, when, is Choaniki still around? Yeah, Choaniki is not around anymore, because the developer that used to make Choaniki is is no longer a, a going concern. Uh. And I'm pretty sure the rights to it are now owned by Konami. I think that was something that fell under the Hudson uh, trademark Which means after we'll a while. never get another one. Did, did Kojima take it with him? <laughs> yeah, Kojima. Uh, well, is this, that Death Stranding? That, Death Stranding is Choaniki related, yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, would, I would kill for that. For those in our audience who are perhaps not aware of what mm-hmm. the Choaniki series, think of the most uh, overtly homosexual imagery you can. Yeah. And put it in a shooter. Yeah. Uh, by shooter, I mean shmup, like that kind of shooter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and there you have it. Like, we're yeah. talking super homosexual. And like, and like, Japan and like, just has a really interesting relationship with homoerotic humor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that is that entire game with Gradius. Yeah, it mixed with Gradius and weird. Some of some of the most unusual ship design you will ever see. Indeed. In a yes. Yeah. I, like, I unironically like, love those games. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Actually, if anybody is hearing us talk about this and it's like, what are you talking about? There is a way. To currently purchase a Choaniki game, there is the PlayStation One version of Choaniki is available on the United States PlayStation Store. That's right, it is. You can plug that into your Vita. It's all in Japanese, though, right? Like the it is all. Was I thinking of Parodius? Is Choaniki a shooter too? Oh yeah, no, they're both they're both they're both Gradius style shooters. Okay. Uh, And with uh, equally equally weird bosses between those two. yeah, you could you could play it. I mean, if your PS3 is still hooked up, you can do that. If your PSP is still a thing that will turn on, you could do that. I don't even know PS where mine Vita. is. It's around. It's <laughs> it's around. It's Just around. around. You know, waiting. Stay it out. You can't use it uh, on PlayStation Four though. A a game that would take almost no horsepower to emulate. Uh, you can't play it on your PlayStation Four. Uh, which is a bunch of bullshit, eh, Dave? It's a, yeah, it's a it's a bunch of garbage, and we're <laughs> how how many years into the PS4, and all the power of the PS4 can apparently run dra- uh, Double Dragon Four. Uh, <laughs> no, a, not well. A bad well. NES game, apparently, but we can't get PS1 games on this thing. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I we wanted to we wanted to talk on the show today about uh, games that are inevitably going to be disappearing. Uh, you know, over over the next decade, there there specifically PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty games. There is a wonderful movement to get backwards compatibility for a lot of Three Hundred and Sixty games. Microsoft has been giving this a lot of attention on Xbox One. Phil Spencer even intimated this past week. Uh, he said, "Never say never 
when it comes to Xbox 360 backwards compatibility on PC. Uh, Sony, on the other hand, is not doing a goddamn thing to preserve their past, and you wrote about this, Dave. Yeah, uh, basically the, the crux of the article is that like PlayStation Now, um, while... Remind everybody what PlayStation okay, Now is. Okay, so PlayStation Now is a, it's a, it's a Netflix-like service for video games. You you pay a monthly fee. Uh, it's like like $20 a month or $100 for a year. Uh, and you get access to about 400 games, 400 PS3 games that you can stream from their cloud servers to your PlayStation 4 or your PC. And conceptually, it sounds cool. It's a you bit expensive. You can still just buy games, right? No. And stream them whenever? No, no, it's just the subscription now? Yeah, they, they used to have it that you could rent games. That was, like, oh. the beta. And, like, everyone was like, why would I spend $10 to rent 30 days of this game when I could buy it on my PS4 for $5 from a GameStop? What are you doing? Uh, so they just shifted over to a subscription model. Like, all you can eat. You just uh, pay the monthly fee and you can play whatever. And, like, conceptually, it's it's a neat idea. It's a little expensive, but it's like, if you have a really good internet connection and it's stable, uh, it works pretty well. Like, you probably won't want to play Ultra Street Fighter 4, which is one of the games that they offer, which, like, don't do that. Don't play Street Fighter with, like, internet latency. Uh, but, like, it, it works. Uh, I, I've had friends who have, like, yeah, I played Uncharted 3 on it. It was fine. Uh but the problem is, is the game selection is is not great. Like it's four hundred games, which is just a fraction of what the PS3 offers, and it's a fraction of the promised vision of what PlayStation Now was supposed to be. PlayStation Now was supposed to be when they first announced it uh, back at that PS4 like unveiling. It was going to be PS1, PS2, PS3, and PlayStation Mobile games that you could access anywhere. And now it's just PS3 games and. Almost in response to like the the fact that PlayStation Now probably isn't doing as well as they would have hoped, uh, they started selling PlayStation Two games separately that you had to repurchase if you already owned digitally on the PS3 because they added trophies and like upscaled the visuals. Which like at least they added benefit, but still, come on, yeah, like, give us a discount. I, I, I find I find the PlayStation Two classics to be to be sort of wildly overpriced. Yeah, uh, overpriced and the library like people give Nintendo crap for their slow rollout of virtual console games, but they ain't got shit on Sony and like, hey, we'll release one of these every six months, maybe you could play Okage now. Remember that game? <clears throat> Okage, the premier shadow-based JRPG. Yes. <laughs> we like we rated Ape Escape a year ago, but it's finally out now. Yay! <laughs> it really took some work, that one. Yeah. We had to find all the apes again. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was real wily. Uh, but yeah. Like, <laughs> one with the flash around his head. I don't, like, I, I don't presume to understand how, like, the difficulty of what it would take to get, like, PS1 games onto a PS4. Um, like, whether there's some technical hurt. Like, dude, they, Sony can't even figure out how to let you change your, your, your name, your, your PlayStation screen name. So maybe there's some, like, weird technical, like, we can't, we just, we can't do it. But, then don't, then that's the thing. Like, then say you can't. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, say you can't. And, and, like, dude, I have, like, I could, I could hack my iPad to run PS1 games. 
Like I could hack. Right. Like my Android can run. Uh, like if I have an Android tablet, I can run a PlayStation One emulator pretty well. I don't want to do that because I like giving my money to people who who make the games that I like. But it's like but- when it when it's easier to download an emulator for like a crappy tablet and run PS One games like pretty well. I can play. I can play PlayStation One games on my PSP. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. There's we, well, no reason why the PS4 can't do this. We're running. We're you're running into the territory of where things get weird, wherein all of a sudden the cost of working around licensing issues for these mm. things becomes the hurdle. And I, I guess this is why I wanted to talk about this to you guys in the first place because I, you know, the this is it is always an issue of money for uh, platform holders like Sony and Nintendo, you know, the, the reality is is that it, it just to get the ESRB rating to put, you know, Earthbound or whatever onto the Wii U Virtual Console or the 3DS Virtual Console, they have to p- spend thousands of dollars just for the ESRB rating every single time they put something out. Yeah. They can't just be like, all right, now here it is, and it's available on everything, because unfortunately the reality of of the console space is still locked into this mode of thinking that you know, everything is a distinctive platform, even though like it, iTunes has gotten around this. <laughs> Uh, but the console, the gaming console world is still trapped. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my question for each of you is if these things were more widely available, let's say we were in a situation where we didn't have to worry about something like Burnout Paradise, like this amazing PS3 or 360 game just vanishing from a, a digital service eventually. And then not seeing it come back because the licensing cost wouldn't be there. Like, if all of these things were widely available and persistently, how often do you guys think you would actually buy and play vintage games if they were if they weren't just these one-off events? What are we, like what are it, we calling? Like, how far back are we going for vintage? I, I even like you know usually the conception for vintage is twenty years, but I think in video games, ten years. You know, if if we think about 10 years as just being sort of this gulf for mm-hmm. games, you know, if we think about platforms as having a five-year lifespan, that'll be two platforms back, even though that's a little bit of a, a soft timeline at this point. You know, 10 years ago, I think we can look at Portal 1, which came out in 2007. We can consider that a vintage game. Okay. Uh, or like, or Heavenly Sword for PlayStation 3, a game which at this point is, you know... I know a lot of people who love Heavenly Sword. I personally don't care for it. But that's an example of a game that's just sort of lost to time at this point. Mm, mm, true, true. So, you know, for you, Susan, if is this an issue? Is, is not having access to these things an issue? Do you wish that publishers would just put these things up for sale so that you can give them money if you want to play these things on a lark? Or does it not matter? For, for me personally... Uh, I don't think I would go back to PlayStation 1 games because depending on what kind of visuals they were offering, they're just too freaking hard to look at at this point. Mm. They're, they're, they're ugly and they control badly. Hey, Not all of them. Mega Man Legends. Fine looking hey, game. Hey, I played I, oh that my over God. on the okay, hashtag, game. Okay, hashtag not all PS1 games. Okay, <laughs> like really? 
for God's sake, you know what I'm saying. No, I Susan, uh, I, I think this is funny because just two days ago, I bought a copy of Colony Wars for PS1. Mostly because I've never played it, and in my head, as I was paying for it, I was like, this is going to control terribly and look awful. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I, you know. Yeah, uh, anyway. But, uh, so for, for PS1, probably not. Would I? There are certain Xbox, uh, like original Xbox oh, games, yeah. that I 100% wish I could fire up right this second. There's mm. not many of them, but they, they do exist. Arx Fatalis being one, that game is Awesome. A little armed and dangerous. A little armed and dangerous, for example. Force. Yes, no. super good. Um, I would, I would buy all manner of PS2 games, and I would buy all manner of PS3 games yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Connor, how about you, man? Is this is this an issue for you? Um, I still have all those consoles, obviously, though not all in one place. Uh, sure. I can think of a couple games that, you know, every now and then I just think about and feel like, ah, oh, it would be fun to revisit that for a bit. You know, like PsyOps, give me some mm. ragdoll That's action That's a good game, on. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, move some boxes around with my mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I just mentioned Mega Man Legends. I, I bought Tron Bond, The Misadventures of Tron Bond, when it was on sale for PS Vita, and I still haven't played it yet, but I kind of like the idea that I have it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I could see myself making those purchases for some games, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't, it probably wouldn't be as appealing to me as, you know, picking up like virtual console titles for NES, SNES, because it just doesn't have that, doesn't have that level of nostalgia for me yet. And maybe it never will because I wasn't a little kid when I was playing them. Sure. Yeah. Neither was I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so it's so funny, you know. Like Dave and I regularly moan to each other about <laughs> you know the fact that there is no that that, that there isn't uh, a selection of PlayStation One games on PS4, especially when there's just like a, a killer library that you can just download on PS3 and Vita, no problem. Uh, but at the same time, like I I'm forced to admit that. You know, like, it's a niche audience, and it's so expensive to get these things out there. Yeah. Just, just, it, like, it's not an issue of technology. I mean, it is in the case of some platforms. You know, the fact that there aren't, like, PlayStation 3 games that you could just download, or original Xbox games that you can just, you know, have at it and download, is that both of those platforms, due to their architecture, is, is or they're very very tricky to emulate. How about that Sega were, Saturn though? How about that how Sega about Saturn that though? Sega Saturn. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is all three of those platforms are difficult to emulate because they all have multi-core processors. Yep. And that that creates an incredible problem when it comes to programming an emulation environment that's actually going to support everything rather than just individual games. But those are those are the three that are isolated. You know, Dreamcast has none of those problems. And it would be very easy to say, like, here's the entire Dreamcast library uh, in an emulation environment, download it, download it on your PlayStation 4, have at it, or Steam. And they don't do that because the reality is, is getting around the licensing issues to put those games back up for sale is very, very, very expensive. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, like, I, I subscribe to the Frank Cifaldi school of retro gaming in that... 
publishers need to start embracing emulation and just oh, yeah. dump their game. Like, it should be as easy to go online and buy an old game as it is to go onto, like, Amazon and buy and rent an old movie. Yeah. It should be that easy. And it's You're not. Right. You're absolutely right. Because, like, like people, like, because of people's, like, the word emulator has such a is so demonized in the Im- industry. People just automatically think that that means piracy, even though there's no legal precedent that says there's anything illegal about it. Uh, like there have actually been multiple court cases that say no, like emulation's fine. Like the like they publishers could do it if they wanted to, and like Nintendo kind of does it. Uh, but yeah, Nintendo does do it. Yeah, Nintendo, they, Nintendo they, very specifically hires. You know, at this point, they use M2 a lot, who's a wonderful developer, and M2 is responsible for the emulation environment for Super Nintendo games on the 3DS. Well, wait, isn't isn't uh, the X- being able to play Xbox 360 uh, games on your Xbox One basically because they're emulating an Xbox 360? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but uh, but the, yeah, the thing and... is, though, is that they're allowed to do that, or at least in their mind, they feel like they're allowed to do that because they also own the Xbox 360. Whereas, like... Putting Mega Man onto a PlayStation Four, there's a little. It's a little dicier just because those games sure, were originally on NES, yeah. and you're emulating an NES to put them on a completely different system. Even though there's nothing illegal about it, and the NES is like past the whatever the, the right. point. Like there are so many clone NESs out there that are totally legal now because of it. Um, but like, yeah, th- that hurdle is just convincing those publishers that doing that is okay and we'll just make them money because one like i get frustrated because like video game publishers have no sort of many of them i'm sure care more deeply about it but like many of them just have no concern for their past it's all about like whatever the new hotness is um and re-releasing old games on new hardware to get you to buy them again um and it would be great to see publishers also known as business no yeah but, <laughs> right but also like like it would be great to like also good business to be like hey look like like you, you can walk into a best buy and find like a stack of budget dvds you know like of yeah, old movies yeah. and like we need that for games and we don't really have it and yeah. i don't know if there's a good solution for it because video games are so different like you can't just take a movie encode it digitally uh, like like and, and, and throw it up like that's that whole process is so much easier because it's like well everyone has a dvd player that's all you have to worry about is a dvd player or like a digital storefront accesses they all access this the same kind of video file whereas like you know xbox and playstation nintendo they're all different their own weird ways um i don't know it just yeah. sucks because i love old games and i wish it was easier for people to access them it sucks to see so many games just get forgotten and yeah. like i would love to give konami money to buy snatcher i'm not spending 500 dollars to buy snatcher off of ebay well, from some Dave, guy just just wait a year and snatcher girl oh my will God. be out <laughs> on playstation <laughs> might want to workshop that name <laughs> but i mean here's the thing you're talking about old games you're also ignoring uh, you know, old computer games that are oh, yeah. just poof, yep, yeah. just basically lost to the ether. Yeah, and and there 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 are organizations out there uh, that do wonderful work trying to pursue perf- uh, preserve, like preserve. Oh my That's god, I, I literally <laughs> couldn't get it out. Uh, preserve those games. Good old games has done 
amazing stuff over the past yeah. decade. You know, to, and then, to keep those games alive. And then you have, like, but, abandoned where sites, like, uh, they, they sort of exist on the, the gray area of the internet, like uh, Abandonia, which does really great work of taking, like, games that have fallen out. Like, we don't know who owns the rights to this game anymore. We just don't. So until someone tells us that they own it, we're going to put it here because there's no way you can legally buy this game. And it's just, yeah. like, a bunch of old DOS, Amiga, like, Commodore mm-hmm. games and stuff on there, which is really cool that, like, someone is doing the work to preserve that stuff. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's a thing that I care deeply about because I, I, I like studying the... Like, you know, I'm also a classic film nerd. I love watching old movies and, like, seeing that film... Like, there are, like, so many movies before, like, ni- the 1940s, 1930s. They're just gone. They're gone. Yeah, they're yeah, gone they're forever gone. because nobody had the foresight to preserve them. Well, and Dave, on that subject, I, I we started from a place, you know, before before you know sitting down to do this episode of the show, uh, we sort of talked about doing on this show a recommendation of something that we think probably is going to vanish. And when we were, you know, laying out the show ahead of time, I said, let's do PS3 or 360. But honestly, it sounds like, you know, we all have thoughts on some on games for a lot of different platforms. That, you know, Susan, you just mentioned, like, classic PC games. And some of that stuff is still out there, and it might not always be. Uh, what is... Susan, what's your recommendation? If you want to point somebody to something that is currently still accessible, whether it's, you know, at a a store like Amazon where you can afford this cheap and it's playable on things that are still out there, what would you point people to play? Gosh, uh, there's a lot that I would... Because I like weird things. My my Mm. taste runs a little strange. So a game like Africa... For, which was on PS3. Oh, which... oh not ex- not accessible anymore. Oh, oh man. really? Susan, copies of Africa. If you if you want it, yeah. And they only released it in English retail. Yeah. Cop- copies of Africa are like three hundred dollars. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Africa and Aquanauts Holiday. Uh, really cool PlayStation Three exclusives that were basically about like going on safari and looking at digital animals are crazy collector's items now. I had, I did not know this. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's because Africa is, you are you go to Africa and you go on a photo safari. You go photograph the different animals and there are different cameras and different lenses. And it's it, they made it, uh, if memory serves, with National Geographic to, so that the animals would move and behave the way the real animals do, um, which... Man, don't get close to bull elephants. That's all I'm saying. They <laughs> they are a little camera shy. Um, okay, so not that one. Uh, then I will go with Cultcept Saga. Ooh. Which is a, the Cultcept series. It's it's kind of like Monopoly in that you are moving around a board and you are claiming spaces. And when you claim spaces next to each other, they increase in value. And uh, it's just a really cool arcane uh, board game. That got next to no attention, and uh, there's a PS2 version, and there's a PS, uh, there's a 360 version as well. Uh, so that that would be my recommendation. Also, Puppeteer because Puppeteer is awesome. Yeah, is God now somebody there's a new concept, and now I'm trying to remember what platform is it's Vita or something. Oh, there's a 3DS version. 
there's there? a cold sub for 3ds i don't think it came out in english oh but it exists and it is new i would also like to point out that africa prices have deflated okay it's no longer 300 dollars it's just ninety dollars. Oh, <laughs> okay, just ninety dollars. Uh, <laughs> damn, I wish I had, had a copy of Africa. It's such a cool game. I got I got to review it, so oh, it's so cool. It uh, really, I mean, it's really cool. Yeah, it's just a neat game. Yeah, Connor, how about you, man? What's your pick? Um. I don't know if this is quite within the scope of what we're talking about, but I would say something that people need to try probably soonish is Helldivers, because that um, that is a game that is really cool, really original, but it's also very, very reliant on servers and um, uh, who is who are the developers? It's not Paradox. It's wait, is it Paradox? No, they... Uh, they published it. Yeah. Uh, it's the uh, Arrow in the Head guys. Like, Arrowhead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> their their mascot is a dude with an there. arrow in his head, okay? That's where I was coming from. Um, <laughs> it's reliant on them running the servers and, you know, setting the wars up and making sure that all that runs smoothly. So, Lord knows where that's going to be in a couple of years. Yeah. And it'll be a, a really big shame uh, when that inevitably comes down because that game is still super unique, super cool. Um, as for something that might just become harder to find, I would say um, any of the weird little 3DS eShop games that Nintendo has put out, like uh, Rusty's Real Deal Baseball oh, or man. Box Boy, because... Uh, n- I have honestly have no idea what Nintendo is going to do with Switch as far as supporting those older 3DS games because it, it's a home console, you know. It's that's what they're positioning it as. It's not supposed to be a successor to 3DS, but there's also no clear successor to 3DS. So, it, you know, going from DSi where to 3DS, there was there was continuity there, and mm-hmm. I just don't know if the same continuity will be there for those 3DS eShop games. So if you're if you're interested in any of those games, and I'd definitely recommend uh, Box Boy and give Rusty's Real Deal Baseball a try. Um, you should probably get on that soon. Yeah, I, I that is that is a a wonderful wonderful recommendation. Rusty's yeah, no, Real Deal really Baseball. Smart. Yeah, Rusty's Real Deal Baseball is so it's interesting. so good. It's so good. It is. It's it is the weir- it's the weirdest thing that Nintendo's put out, I think, yeah, in yeah. a long time. Uh, there is, I will say, a, a a hope for Box Boy. Apparently, Box Boy has been really successful for Nintendo. Uh, a sequel came out uh, in the past six months called Box Box Boy. Uh, yeah. So the next I, one is Box Box Boy Boy. So there is, I think, I think the next one. I can't remember what the actual name is. There is an announced third. And it's called like Farewell Box Boy or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're and it's like ending the trilogy, and they're gonna do at least in Japan. They have not confirmed it for the United States, but it's likely this is gonna come out. They're gonna do a boxed version with all three, and then a Box Boy amiibo. Oh, the Box Boy co- box. The Box Boy box. <laughs> I I can't wait for that. I think that sounds awesome, uh, and I I hope that character sticks around at Tokyo Game Show this past year. Nintendo had like a pop-up shop and they had plush box boy dolls and I was like oh shit how do I get one of those and a few of them popped up on eBay like immediately and scalpers were selling them for like $200 and I was like I'm not $200 for like a fluffy cube is just Mm -hmm. not I'm not doing that 
Dada is dude, not, dude, box boy for Smash. Yeah, yes, yeah. Not not as some summon trophy, assist no. trophy, bullshit. Full character, mm-hmm. box boy. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, let's try to say was hell yeah, Batman. Damn sure you guys that. Just try uh, some spooky specter messing up people's hair and shit. Uh, Dave, what's your pick, man? Okay, so um, I have two. One that I'm not going to belabor. Um, one. Oh God. Okay, so yes, it's Metal Gear. It's Metal Gear Solid Four specifically mm-hmm. because that game I feel is trapped on the PS3. Yep. Mm, it, okay. It, fair, it, fair. it is. It was designed in such a way that it was specifically meant to take advantage of the PS3 architecture. It's why they, they never released a version of it on the Xbox 360 uh, like they did with 2 and uh, 3 and Peace Walker. Um, that game is a weird enigma. Also, th- there is voice acting in that game which specifically references like Blu-ray discs and the PS3 hardware. So if they ever released it on a new system, uh, they would have to re-record lines of dialogue, and yeah, so it just it feels like unless like the only way you'll ever be able to experience the full Metal Gear saga is if you own a PS3, and that's kind of crap. <laughs> that's uh, an excellent suggestion. Yeah, uh, the other one that I want to point out that I feel is like is going to to disappear just sort of into the weird sort of cult fringes of video gamedom is El Shaddai Ascension of the Metatron. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Uh, so, oh hell yeah, Batman. Oh yeah, Batman. <laughs> hell yeah, so, Batman. Uh, it's it was the development was helmed by uh, Takeyasu Sawaki, who was uh, the lead guy, uh, lead designer for like Devil May Cry and Okami. And he made this balls weird game about a book, an apocryphal book of the Bible, where Lucifer is a dude with a cell phone and skinny jeans, and he helps you wander through a bunch of ethereal side-scrolling levels and straight. It is, it is, it is bonkers. Like I don't That's like good. this. Is, it's real it's good, so good. It's but it's so... also very weird. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's also like it's it is one of it, the only other thing that's even remotely comparable to El Shaddai is near in that yeah, it, yeah. it just bounces between genres constantly. Mm-hmm. Like half the time, all right, well, three quarters of the time, it's a sort of very simple Devil May Cry style brawler with a really cool mechanic of you switch, you steal weapons from your enemies. All enemies have one of three weapons, and you steal them and purify them with your angelic power. Yes. Because the game, as Dave said, is a direct freaking adaptation of the Book of Enoch, a non-canonical biblical text discovered as part of the freaking Dead Sea Scrolls, because that's a normal game premise. (laughs) And you play as the grandfather of Moses Yes. in fashionable skinny jeans... And you purify their weapons. But then, like, you'll be fighting angels in a watercolor hellscape. And then the next stage will be a platformer while bouncy bobblehead dolls that are Nephilim, the unholy spawn of angels and humans, bounce around on beach balls in the background. Yes. 
It's awesome. Amazing. It's so good. Amazing. And like you can still you can find copies of it um pretty cheap and like I've uh I ended up buying it a couple years ago on sale on the Xbox three sixty, uh like the, the digital store. But the thing is is that the company who published it is a company called UTV Ignition Entertainment. Which is like, yeah, basically they just kind of published weird Japanese games and then went defunct in 2012, and their parent company was Walt Disney, and so this game's never going to get... Yeah. So, like, <laughs> d- d- I, like, I imagine someone at Disney's like, uh, we <laughs> don't know that this actually exists. Oh, and it's distributed <laughs> in Europe by Konami, so it's doubly fucked. <laughs> oh, shit. oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh, I'm still holding out hope that someone is just gonna like sneak it onto a list of games for Disney to whitelist for Xbox 360 like backwards compatibility and someone's just gonna sign it and not realize what they're signing and it's just gonna show up on my Xbox One one day but um, (laughs) I have a feeling this game is also gonna be trapped on 360 and PS3 Um, so worth playing it's so worth playing Uh, my recommendation is uh, inspired inspired in part uh, by by what you said, Connor. I was gonna say Burnout Paradise because Burnout Paradise is just one of those things. Like you can get it on Steam still, but to get Burnout Paradise with all of its expansion material, hmm. you know the the you could have the Ghostbusters Ecto One and the DeLorean and a motorcycles expansion, and if you still have a PlayStation I, you can take your picture and put it on a license that appears throughout the entire game, that stuff's just gonna vanish. Uh, But, something a little bit more unique, and, you know, the 3DS store is, Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, that stuff is as imperiled as it can get, but the Wii store is still Mm. online. Mm -hmm. The Wii eShop is still there, and, like, talk about just, like, an amazing library of vintage games for all types of consoles, whether it's Neo Geo or Genesis or TurboGrafx, all that stuff is still there. And if you have a Wii U or even a Wii, you can still get all this stuff. But WiiWare games especially, things that were exclusive to the Wii eShop, God only knows how long that's going to still be there. You know, the Wii eShop turns 11 years old this year. at some point Nintendo is just not going to consider it worthwhile to keep that stuff accessible and it's very unlikely that they're ever going to do broad backwards compatibility the Switch is only two weeks away from release and they haven't talked about the virtual console yet so you know anybody hoping for backwards compatibility or a unified account system that lets you get to all this stuff still keep dreaming it's not going to happen so If you still have a Wii or a Wii U, go in there and look up a game called The Magic Obelisk. And The Magic Obelisk is... Here is how obscure this game is. It doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, there is no Wikipedia page for The Magic Obelisk. It is the last game ever directed by the creator of Grandia and Lunar. And it is a puzzle game. It's very sort of lovely. It's sort of a, a watercolor presentation. And you you are a boy that has been turned into a shadow. And you're in these little environments. And you need to find a way to navigate from one side of 
the screen to the other. And in the center, uh, in like these little forests or glades, are an obelisk, this, this sort of monument. And you need to manipulate the environment so that the shadows bounce certain ways off the obelisk so you can navigate in the shadow. And it's just, it is one of the coolest puzzle games I've ever played. It's very patient, it's very calm, and it's very pretty. And this this game is just going to, to disappear forever. Like, this is from a developer, uh, game arts that hasn't really been active even that much since the Dreamcast days. And it's just really cool. And, and there's just going to be no incentive for anyone to keep this game alive. Uh, definitely check that out. The yeah. Magic Obelisk. It is super cool. I will say though that like it like it. It sucks that like pirates are the ones that are doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but <laughs> at least that option is there. Like the Wii has been blown wide open. Yeah. So if you want to play this twenty years from now when the Wii eShop is gone, like there will be a way to get it. Hopefully, it just, su- it just sucks that you know. Like it, none of it is officially. Yeah, yeah, man. How about those Konami exclusives for the Wii eShop? Gradius Rebirth, Castlevania Rebirth, Contra Rebirth. Those will get put out again. Oh, I'm sure. Sure. Yep. Sure. That'll happen. <laughs> uh, you know what, everybody? This show has gone on really long. Uh, we did have a third topic planned for today, but I don't think we're gonna get into it too in depth because we've got to do other things. But. I do want to bring it up very quickly because I think we can talk about the surface uh, part of this subject rather than getting into the deeper subtext. But Connor published a wonderful little essay about how The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild represents a wonderful opportunity to rectify a recent mistake. And that mistake is the Zelda timeline, which is... uh, (laughs) Connor, would I be correct in... I think this is the academic way to describe this. Uh, the Zelda timeline's a bunch of bullshit, right? It's is just that... a wobbling, unsteady, horrible, like... I mean, okay, it's not... There's nothing, ab, you know, abstractly horrible about it. It's just a dumb way to connect a bunch of unconnected games. But it's just so unnecessary. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, it's a thing for Zelda now for... Ooh, where'd your game fall in this dumbass timeline? It's just... <laughs> Ah, why? (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if anybody is unfamiliar, for years, in in nascent internet nerd culture, it became a, a, like, metagame to try and find connections, I'm not going to say links, connections (laughs) between all of the different Zelda games so that they all lined up in a specific continuity, because some of the games did have explicit continuity. Zelda 1 and 2 on the NES are directly connected, and they're freaking bizarre. There are two separate Princess Zeldas. One of them's <laughs> been asleep for like 200 years. Stop it. I swear. Stop and it. And then, yeah, it, some of them are connected, some of them aren't, some of them are direct some sequels. Of, some of them indicate connections. Like, you know, it's, it's fine, it's cool that there were like some threads between uh, A Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time. Awesome. Sure. But we don't need to turn that into a flowchart. <laughs> At all. Yeah. And and one of one of the original titles you had suggested for this piece uh, was 
you know, the, the reason we don't need a timeline is right in the title. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is a legend, that it is something that, you know, is retold and sort of takes on the air of folklore, of, mm-hmm. of a, a regional story that's passed down and changes but has similarities and might be connected but might not be. Like, that's part of the, sort of the, the, the magic, the effervescence of the series itself. Uh-huh. Effervescence. Effervescence, yeah. The evanescence of yes! <laughs> No. I was about to start singing it and Don't, then I realized no, that's, that the song, that's really no, brother, no. The song the song in my head, I can't even remember how the Evanescence song goes because it's just Lincoln Park in my head. Hell oh no, god. Batman. Which is just like <laughs> Oh hell no, Batman. <laughs> uh, hell no, Batman. So I guess I could say it was the most important day of my life. Batman, do you think Half Life Three is ever coming out? I don't think. Oh it's hell no, out. Batman. <laughs> Susan, how do you uh, feel? How do you feel about freaking the Zelda timeline? A bunch of bullshit. It's okay. First of all, why is it the Legend of Zelda when Link is the one doing all the heavy lifting? <laughs> like seriously, like she's getting kidnapped. He's the one like finding keys and crossing over into other worlds. Oh, but it's the Legend of Zelda. Okay, <laughs> I guess Zelda's I'll just the... be over here. <laughs> Zelda's the actual important one, like in the story. Link is just an errand boy. Yeah. Yeah, saving her freaking life. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just, you know, anyway. Uh, The the timeline is stupid. It's just dumb. Just stop it. It's stupid. It's not important. And, and like, I was reading, you know, some some of the Reddit threads of, like, a a couple people posted it, and it's like, yes, it it is just for fun, you know? You you can pay attention to it, and I can choose not to. That's fine. But the thing is... We had Skyward Sword, and they introduced the timeline. It was clearly, you know, like a promotional thing because Skyward Sword was at the start of the timeline. Well, we can put all these games underneath it and see, hey, they're all connected. This is why this happened. This is why that happened. Fine, you know, since Skyward Sword was at the beginning, it didn't really impact it. But the games that came after, and the games that came after it just kind of sidestepped it. Like, um, uh... A Link Between Worlds, direct sequel to A Link to the Past. Obviously, that doesn't really matter. And then, for the longest time, Nintendo just didn't say what Triforce Heroes was. It's like, is it even in the timeline? And then later, they were like, eh, yeah, it's a sequel to A Link Between Worlds. <laughs> sure. But clearly, they don't care either. Yeah. So if I mean, we like, just... you know how people goof on, you know, where does this fit in the Mario Kart timeline? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that's just a fun, stupid thing. <laughs> to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. But now it's a valid question for Zelda, and that's mm. awful. <laughs> Wait, what? Where does where does this fit in the Zelda timeline? It's yeah. like it's a valid question, and, and I don't want it to be anymore. And you know, <laughs> Breath Breath of the Wild, one of the main things it's doing is just throwing out a bunch of the crap that Zelda's built up over the years. And you know, gr- let's freaking nip it in the bud. Love no it. more of this. I love that. Look. Yeah, Dave. How yeah, about you, man? Like, are you I, a, are you a believer? I just I, I mentioned before, but like I, I think a lot about that image that circulates on the internet every now and then of the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater timeline, where it's like <laughs> Tony Hawk's Tony Pro Hawk Skater doesn't one. meet Bam Margera, right? Yeah, or like Bam dies, and like it creates a split in the timeline, and it's like. Like, it's fun to make those connections. Like, it's fun to look at the Tarantino movies and, like, hey, so all of these are connected. Like, Pulp Fiction is a movie in the Kill Bill... Or, like, Kill Bill is a movie in the Pulp Fiction universe and all... Like, like, that's cool to, like, see the... Because, you know, any sort of, 
creator um, or uh, franchise or whatever is going to use a lot of those callbacks. Like Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy has Chocobos, it has Moogles, it has all this stuff. But you don't see anyone like trying to fit them in this sort of canonical. Okay, so Final Fantasy One came first. But then Final Fantasy VIII came, and then Froze Time, and then after that, no, like no, no one is doing that. Even though wait, they all share. Wait. What if someone did? If do someone that, did do, though. but like if and you know what, if someone did that, like I would read that Reddit thread. I would read yeah, that NeoGaf thread. It's fun but, when it's official when fans are doing it. Right. Yeah. But like once once the like Nintendo kind of stepped in and said this is the timeline. It creates kind of an expectation then of like okay well. I guess you are creating a story, but you're not really, so you're just half-assing this. Um, and it's just limiting. That's yeah. That's all it is. It, you don't get anything extra out of it, because they're never going to actually make, you know, like the Zelda RPG, or all of the stuff actually matters. Right. It's just going to be like, okay, now this is one more thing we have to follow. Yeah. And, you know, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Metal Gear, where it's just, like, clearly that timeline was never designed to be connected in any way, but he did, he connected it anyway, and it shows. <laughs> he did it. He, he did, did it. He did. I mean, it's there. You can follow a thread. It's the... It's ridiculous, but it's there. Uh, so yeah, I I feel like it's fun. It's fun to make connections. Like that's like as humans, that's what we do. Like it, it, our brains try to make sense of disconnected things by finding connections and things that don't necessarily connect. Uh, but the moment that it becomes like canon TM. Here's the book that explains everything. You can buy it for thirty dollars if you want to know the real story. I, <laughs> you lose me. Yeah. Oh man, the Zelda timeline. I say this as a guy that owns a copy of Hyrule Historia and enjoys it. Yeah. But yeah. Eh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Susan, can I write a Final Fantasy nope. timeline? Nope. Can I do that for us? Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Just connect them all. Nope. You don't want to know how nope. Chocobo Racing fits nope. into Lightning Returns? Really don't. And how Cindy is actually Cloud's mom. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say... Here's, can I just say my big problem with Cindy? Yeah. It's her goddamn accent. That is the most piss-poor southern accent yeah, I have it's not ever y'all. Oh my god, it's so bad. Like, okay, fine. If she wants to weld half naked, that's on her. Like, we all punish ourselves in different ways. Fine. Seems dangerous, but go ahead. She's clearly going to end up burned and scarred, but that's on her. Fine. No. That accent is so... It's offensive to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's really man, Susan. Did you did you beat Final Fantasy fifteen? Uh, no, no, you know I yeah, that's I right, that's right. Yeah, you thirty stopped. hours in. I'm like, I'm good. I got everything out of it. I need to. Uh, so spoiler warning, everybody. Who cares? Nobody yeah, cares. Really, nobody cares. Uh, so at the end, there is a moment where the story flashes forward ten years. Oh, and uh, it's like the like the world's gone to shit. Like everything mm-hmm. went wrong. There's like Cindy's bull- there with baby cloud on her knee. And yeah, she's <laughs> raising cloud with his tiny little giant baby sword. Uh, so hair's so still full size though. It sucks. It sucks <laughs> because like into it. the the idea is like the entire landscape has gone to shit. The sun hasn't been out in ten years. 
and the, the main character, Noctis, is getting, like, a description of everything that's happened to the world. And the idea is, like, Cindy has become sort of like a local warlord and is runs one of the last bastions of humanity and coordinates all the people that, you know, go out and hunt monsters to protect people. You're just fucking with me at this point. I'm oh, not. No, I'm not. No. And here's what fucking sucks is because this is awesome. I, I was like, this sounds so badass. And I'm like, I'm really looking forward to seeing like a an older Cindy. And you don't get to see her at all. She never shows up. They ma- they make <laughs> reference to her. Christ. Yeah, and so you see all the other characters and how they've like aged and changed over the decade, and Cindy doesn't show up. Yeah, so I was it, like, oh my god, am I gonna get like a battle hardened like Furiosa Cindy who's no longer wearing short shorts? It, nope, you don't. Nope. Square Enix just couldn't bring themselves to put a wrinkle on her fabulous decolletage. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they just couldn't do it. <laughs> Oh, or they're wait like, a minute, well, so you wait, wait, wait. So you do all that, you have this adventure, you do, you find all the freaking weapons and whatever, and life sucks at the end. Oh man, think the the, the last, last the last like five hours the, of that game. Uh, like once so you hit bad. chapter nine and the game like kind of goes on rails and you're you're sort of funneled toward the ending, the last like six six to eight hours, I want to say. Oh my god, it's crazy. they will wreck you. It's so nuts. Actually, it's that's so that's a good. good tease for for next week's episode. Uh, fair warning, everybody. Next week's episode is going to be all spoilers all the time. By listener request, we're going to talk about the endings of some of the recent big games. We're going to talk about Last Guardian. We're going to talk about Final Fantasy Fifteen. We're going to talk about Resident Evil Seven, which I think that. I'm very excited to talk about the ending of that game with you, Susan. Oh yeah, because because you you actually just published a piece that is that explores the implications of the ending of Resident Evil Seven in a really wonderful way. Thank you. Uh, so that's that's going to be a really cool episode. Uh, we will be back then, probably just like I'm really going to dig into Fire Emblem Awakenings. Like it's fucking tragic. Like Robert De Niro, like is oh my racked, god, just shut up. Racked <laughs> with this polio and like goes to sleep for like decades, but then he wakes up and yeah, has a sword. I don't. He <laughs> starts the shepherds and, and they protect the world. So badass. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. I'm really sorry.